Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision. Joining us today is Kent Forlan, CEO at Simply Pay Me. But there's more to it than just Simply Pay Me. Welcome to the show, Kent. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to uh, can't wait to get you know better. Yes, and thank you, Lida, for connecting us. Always, Lida, the wonderful um, connector. So, Kent. Let's talk about your journey. Today is all about you. How does one go from being in the Norwegian Air Force to Wall Street to startup entrepreneur in London? I mean, talk about like round the world travel. You just need to add perhaps one or two additional continents there. But how did that work? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's funny when you say it like that. That it kind of sinks in the last because it's only happened in the last decade as well. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm a country boy from back home in Norway, uh, born and raised, and ultimately, essentially, after high school, I decided, you know, why not try to become a fighter pilot, because it sounds really cool. Um, I actually did, so I got through the, uh, through the pilot selection, and through that started the Air Force, but instead of going down the pilot route, uh, we, I decided to become an Air Force uh, instructor instead in the officers' academy, so very good time. I think the, the couple of years I spent there, I've grown more than, than ever. I mean, it was, a, it was sort of a boy to man type of uh, experience, right? Um, from there, I've always wanted to study in the US. Uh, there was a, um, a time where I had the opportunity uh, to go to the US and study. I'd applied to a college, got in, and uh, yeah, I was ready for civilian life. So on with economics and corporate finance uh, at the age of 21 in the States. And... From there on, I started learning a lot more about the world. I saw that there's more to, to the world than farming uh, and so on, and uh, decided investment banking is gonna be my thing. Corporate finance, that's what I wanna be doing. Um, and that's what I kind of pursued. When my 22, 23, that kind of thing, started sort of accumulating contacts in the banking world and very lucky to get an internship in Manhattan, followed by then, uh, a stint on Wall Street, uh, which, you know, as 24-year-olds with, with high hopes and dreams, uh, what, what a better place to start. Extremely, very exciting. Uh, you know, all the, I was going to say all the rumors are true uh, about Wall Street, but uh, maybe, maybe that's for another conversation. But it's an incredibly exciting, exciting environment, very high-paced, very high-pressure, but I kind of fit into that, uh, that whole environment when I was there. Then... Um, to be closer to home and a few personal reasons, I decided to move to London um, because the company also had a, had a division in London. I unfortunately fell out with the company for multiple reasons and decided, you know what, if these guys can run this operation this dysfunctionally, I might as well set up my own. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs kind of start from that point of view. Uh, but yeah, so that's when I set up a small consultancy in London and Back then, back in the day, a small payment company came to me and, and needed advice. Ultimately, that's one that I took over and created Simply Pay Me From. Uh, and here we are. And, and last year, as, as, as you know, I moved to Greece after spending the five years in London uh, to sort of ride out the whole COVID wave in a nice, warm, sunny uh, environment. So, yeah, it's been quite the decade. And, and there are definitely worse places to uh, ride out the last five months uh, than in Greece. Uh, yeah, so, so, 
So let's talk about uh, Simply Pay Me. You kind of stumble into this CEO role uh, post-consulting. And uh, what, what what problem is the company trying to solve? And, and talk about like, what are your, what are your plans? You're coming to the US or other markets and you know, let's, let's, let's dive into what you do there. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very interesting space. It's very hot these days. B2B, it's SME, it's, it's financial inclusion, right? So it's, we are, we're a company that basically has created a core payment proposition that is entirely cloud-based. So what does that mean? It means that essentially a small business owner uh, where we target the smallest of the small. So the sole traders, the up to five, 10 people in the team, the 99 percenters, if you will, the backbone of the economy. But um, so we target them and they can download an app on their phone or use their browser and they can accept multiple ways of payments, mainly focused on card payments, but also alternative. Now around that, what we also do is we create a single sort of one-stop shop for the small businesses uh, allowing them to also manage their business through the application. Now, this is important because generally and historically, small businesses are overlooked. Either enterprise products are shoehorned down or consumer products are tried to brought up. So there's no real space for SME. And looking at, so one of our very, very close good partners is MasterCard. Uh, and we get a lot of data and research from them. And in the US, for instance, alone, you can see that less than 97, 97% bill for less than a million. So very small companies. And out of the, all the banks in the US, only less than 10% of those actually have payments and invoicing solutions to accommodate it. So all in all, there are there's an incredible gap, particularly in the US. We're actually quite spoiled in the UK and, and parts of Europe with the technology and the payment side that we have uh, to fill it with serving the merchants. And more importantly for us, becoming a payments infrastructure for banks, financial institutions, and other associations and companies that want to serve their merchant bases better. So in a sort of nutshell, uh, where we are going to is becoming that WordPress for payments, if you will, for entry-level payment systems where we don't need to be the brand, we just want to be the engine that's driving it. So anybody can use us and add value to their SMEs. Who do you think you compete with most? Because we have this problem all the time, taking in invoices and getting payments. And, you know, we're paying like 3% to Stripe or something ridiculous like that. And it's like 4% yeah. sometimes I'm seeing on the screen. Yeah. Uh, and so that's ridiculous. I mean, you shouldn't have to do that, whether you're getting cross-border payments or what have you. So who are you competing against and who are you sort of ripping the carpet out from under? Like, like who are you going after? Yeah. So if we're looking in the U.S., for instance, we'd typically be compared to a square. Uh, so so the, the mobile point of sale providers that have small dongles or card readers that they give out. Now, the beauty of us is that you don't need any of the hardware. So uh, and obviously to you, to, to your point as well, you know, we know Stripe very well. We know a lot of these players um, and the, the market rate going at the moment in the US is 2.9 percent. So it's quite high. Reason being interchange is very high in the US. So, you know, the, and the other side of it is it's interesting that you mentioned that because you say sometimes it's, it goes up, sometimes it goes down uh, because very, a lot of players, most of them, if not all, um, they fluctuate their prices. So they have this very small onboarding price that is card present transactions means very low risk. So it's it's not a problem for them to take uh, shapes of margin off of that. Then for invoices, for pay links and these kinds of things, they'll add a percent or something like 
something like that on top. Now, again, this is confusing and complex and unnecessary for SMEs. If I'm literally a plumber trying to uh, just get paid to feed my family, then I really don't want to be faced with all of this. I don't want to care about my paying provider, if I'm entirely honest. I just want simplicity. So we we make sure that it's flat rates. Everything's the same. What you see is what you get. So uh, yeah, no, it's it's a uh, it's quite right. the uh, so, quite so, the so where, where do we sign up? Like literally, like where do we sign up? Because <laughs> you just launched in the U.S. You you announced that like a month ago or so. So you're here. Yeah, yeah. So we've launched with um, with a company called PaySafe, who is the uh, partner of ours on the payment provider side. Um, they've just gone. They just IPO'd earlier this year. Uh, very very exciting. Very good company. I'll get you hooked up. Kent, we're taking notes because that is, you're absolutely right. The the small business markets, um, you know, those that are small, it, it, it's just completely overlooked, right? And people try to coogee yeah. a solution out from either corporate finance, which doesn't work for the big enterprises, or we try to figure out how to, you know, band-aid up a consumer banking solution, which again, does not work. And um, it has been very, very painful. We have we have our share of stories, but um, we'll leave it as that. Um, <laughs> let, let's talk about your journey. Let's go back there because it's, it's sure. more interesting to talk about other people. Um, it is stressful. I, I can't even imagine because you cross country. I've done a couple of those, but I stayed in the US and it was painful. So let alone imagining you going around the world um and and it's often a very lonely one that's something that we don't talk about we glorify you know the the you know having grit and staying put and all of those things but we don't think about the hard part of it we don't pause and think about what does it mean uh from a mental yeah. health perspective right it does take a toll because there's a lot of stress that comes with building a business starting a company being responsible for also others on your team right why is talking about mental health such a taboo thing and and how can we actually change it is that even changeable i would absolutely think so and you know there's a lot thing what you said to to unpack absolutely um and i think the, the first and foremost that we need to change is what you're saying is how we cater to young hopeful entrepreneurs um you know one of the first things i said i remember when i when i first broke down three years ago i had a complete mental breakdown for multiple reasons um first i ever had when i really realized mental health is real um that was following that i started documenting everything i did my journey on instagram and now on linkedin so people could sort of see all right this is a journey uh, it could fail it could be successful but you'll at least see what i'm up to and how it goes um, and very, very important point that I had back then that I'm still very passionate about is exactly these types of influencers and motivational speakers that tell you if you dream it, you can do it. Uh, you know, this whole idea of working eight hours, hustle eight hours, sleep up eight hours, it's absolutely ridiculous. And it's not only ridiculous, it's dangerous because people believe this. Um, and when I see, I have massive respect for people like Gary Vaynerchuk. But him as well, he's also changed his stance a little bit from being that hustle, hustle, hustle to we're human and we need to respect that. Um, so by all means, I'm under no illusion. I'm not going to give anybody the illusion that starting a company and driving it and growing it, whether it's a local, regional 
business or it's a global scalable business it's difficult it takes a lot it takes long hours and there's a lot of work to be done but you need to take time for yourself and when it comes to the taboo of mental health what i love about that is it's not something that requires change in the sense that uh, in terms of dealing with it in the sense that we need the whole world and our environment to change we just need more awareness more openness about it so uh, one of the things that happened very excitingly after I started sharing my journey was I, I started getting a lot of stories from people high up and, and people I'd never met. Uh, literally, I've had the whole range. And from the get-go, they wouldn't even necessarily say say hi and I'd let me respond before I get a story about their journey and what they're struggling with. And they're immediately comfortable sharing. And I think that's beautiful. I loved it because just from some people who share their stories, there are hundreds in the back that, allow, that are now allowed to share theirs, even if it's not in a public setting. They can come to me and talk about it and they can know that they're not alone. And, you know, I've had people from all across the, from all over the world, literally telling me that you are now the only one I have. I would have killed myself if not. It gets really dark really quickly. Um, and, it, you know, it just shows how serious it is. Uh, so, you know, it's something that I discovered at, at um, you know, 28 years old. I wish I had known about it sooner, but finally I'm there. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's one of those where there certainly is a taboo, uh, but the only sort of call it improvement we need is more awareness. For Like I said, for every person who chooses to go, go a bit, bit more public and speak up about it, you have hundreds in the back that feel that, that relate to that. So, yeah, it's um, it, it's a, it's a big very passionate question. So, so when you when you think about you know the the platforms that we have to sort of address mental health and address you know people getting help for one another, compared to you know what we've developed out of Silicon Valley with Instagram and Facebook and just like this place to flex that we traveled here or we ate that or we did this or our kids achieved that. We need to have that conversation more. And we'd had a, a conversation uh, just to get to know each other when, when Lita introduced us. And you said to us in that, that call that mental health is a privilege and that there's this huge sort of gulf between mental health apps and mental health practitioners and finding that right one that fit for you was, was really yeah. important. And that technology cannot necessarily solve mental health issues that are inherently a human problem. So do you see you know, parallels in that journey that you've had in, in what you're doing now in business within you know, banking and fintech? And, and the last question along this sort of chain, tell us like how you use things like Headspace, where they're not yes. necessarily just about mental health, but it's about getting to the right place sometimes. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think the, the best way I can sort of explain that is you have your doctors, you have your psychiatrists, psychiatrists, psychologists, psychotherapists, um, and I've, I've been to plenty. Um, and you know, I'm very much of the everybody, everybody, however healthy, should should have a counselor, a therapist. It just helps. It's brilliant. Um, but yeah, I, I've had it for many different reasons. Those are your doctors, right? As you, as if you have your surgeons and so and so on in in a hospital for physical injury. Now, all of these apps, the technology and that kind of thing, these are kind of the alternative medicine, and that's why it's so important to go and find what's right for you. 
So for me, I've, I've pretty much tried it all. Um, and there are a few things that work. And what I find very interesting when you talk about apps like Headspace is they really help direct you. They get you into the right mindset, the right way of thinking. For me, it was, I did sort of the 15 minute a day meditation. Um, anxiety has been particularly what I've struggled with over the years and they have specified programs for anxiety. And even if it's just a thought pattern, like they have their little animations that are absolutely brilliant in allowing you to think in ways you've just never thought before. Um, and, you know, it's, it's been an incredible place. And obviously, obviously, I love Headspace in particular because I actually spoke to their team when I was at my lowest and I didn't have a penny to my name. And I said, I can't pay the £10 a month to use you, but I really need you. Uh, and they came back and said, we'll give it to you. I mean, that's 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 what's important here. So obviously, I do understand they need to make money, uh, but that was an incredible gesture from Headspace uh, back then. So all in all, I mean, for me, the, the, the biggest, uh, the biggest uh, I would say, help is combining these with exercise uh, of, of any form. And the idea of getting outside is important, but then it also comes to a lot of people, they want to be there, which is amazing as support. But I've, I've never quite found that to be an outlet. Uh, I've never quite found other people to be what I necessarily need when it's at its worst. Uh, and to your point, with social medias and so on, I mentioned that I've st I, I started sharing on Instagram. For me, that was an experiment. That was, what can I do with this? Can this be an outlet for me? Does it help to just put it out there? I had the first video that I posted um, for three weeks on my phone before posting anything because I was terrified. I was terrified of the response that I was going to get. I was, the, I was sort of a young CEO, relatively new at the time. I had a large base of shareholders, stakeholders, and so on. Uh, and yeah, it's it's terrifying, but it's it's certainly something that I'm I'm very happy I did. And now it's now it's to the point where it's it's uh, it's become too easy to share. So I can sit at parties and I'll be talking about yeah, remember that breakdown? It was hilarious. Things like that. So people get a little bit uncomfortable at times, but it is uh, no, it, it, it's a very very interesting space. Uh, I think everybody has their their own way of looking at it. People are trying to solve it in various ways, and there are some incredible incredible um, things out there. And we're trying now in our company to make sure that we have something in place even if it's digital because we're spread around the world to make sure everybody has access to wellness i think that is so incredibly important and a lot of times when we are hurting in in that way it's not something that's always visible is something that's invisible to us. So as as companies grow, I, I think taking care of that invisible part of your of your teams of your employees is something that I believe everyone needs to think about. This is probably like one of the most personal recordings we have done for a while now, Brad. Um, and we appreciate you you sharing all that with us. Um, there has been a few um, high profile startup CEOs in the US that have done something similar and it's incredibly brave for anyone to be able to speak up. I think like you said, the first time that you share and you were not aware of what was gonna happen on the other side of the screen, it, it can be scary at times, but thank you for, for doing what you do, Kent. Looking back at the last decade plus and everything that you've gone through and everything you've done, 
the the journeys that lead from one to the next to the next and building up to where you are right now. If you had a chance to go back, time travel, what have you, um, to reshape any one of those, what would you change? Would you actually change anything? And, and what difference do you think that would have made? So this is a question I think a lot of people think about. You know, do I have any regrets? Do I have anything I would do differently? Um, and I guess the arrogant answer to that is no. Um, but the reason for that is also very much sort of called mental health based, simply because I can't. So dwelling on that will probably cause me more trouble and headache uh, than anything else. And, it, you know, if there's anything I could do with the time machine, I'd probably go um, and do what I, I think a lot of other people would do as well. I'd probably coach myself in a couple of times, particularly that, that, that time three years ago. Um, and, you know, if, 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 if we're getting personal, there was a period between 2018 September to 2018 December um, where I can bear, I can't remember it. I can essentially not remember that period of my life because I was self-medicating. I was doing all the things I shouldn't do um, in terms of just escaping, just getting away. Uh, and the way this all changed was the support of my investors and team and that kind of thing. And I got back to Norway and basically kind of healed a little bit and uh, sent a message to one of the very, very strong and good investors that, we need to fix this or I'm not coming back. Um, so, you know, it was a, an, an incredible response immediately and we did. And, and that's what brought us here. So I think if I look back, I don't think I, wa I want to say that I would necessarily change anything other than obviously there, there are some small things in life that I'd like to do differently. But uh, I'd coach myself a little bit. I did all literally everything wrong, everything wrong when it comes to dealing with mental health. Um, I could have come out of it and healed a lot better, a lot quicker, um, like I have in, in, in the recent years, if things have, if episodes have happened, things like that, I get out of it a lot quicker. I know what it is. And, and yeah, that's what I do. I, I try to, I try to be a big brother to myself. I think there's a lot of times in our lives when decisions that we make seem that a intervention of some sort would have maybe changed a trajectory here or there. But I think the the one thing that's interesting about you know this conversation is that when someone needs help, a lot of people don't ask. They try to solve it for themselves. And what you find when you talk about the the things going on in your life is that everyone has these periods of time when they're a little lost and we all sort of behave differently about how we find the answer to get back to where we need to be. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting because you've, you've been in Greece for a little bit, you've been in London, you're in Norway, you're growing up in the, the country. And one of the things in our first conversation that really struck me was that of all the places that you lived and work and experience that we, you said something like the further North you go, uh, the colder <laughs> and more stoic you seem to become. Yeah. Uh, and that's interesting because, you know, having traveled a lot in, in my lifetime, my dad actually was in the Air Force and was stationed uh, outside of London during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And uh, he ended up getting into United Airlines when he came back to the States and wasn't a pilot, but uh, was um, enabling our family across the 30 some odd years that he worked at United to be able to travel. 
And there's something true about this whole northern southern hemisphere thing. So, you know, here growing up, I, I, I grew up in the Bay Area and, you know, it used to be that this sort of geeky culture was kind of like, hey, it's, it's cool to be a nerd. It's cool to get into computers and stuff. And that was early days. And then now it seems like Silicon Valley is like venture capital, like, you know, uh, crypto bros. It's like all this stuff that we're like exporting. So, so tell me about this idea of what you've seen and in, in the teams that you've worked with in this whole northern southern hemisphere vibe it's like uh, <laughs> how can we empathize with each other if we can't even figure out based on where we are like what's important in life yeah it's that's an it's an interesting one that um and this ties particularly into me growing up in norway and i you know i love norway i love home uh, i think it's absolutely gorgeous i love going back there but um, there is this, there is this kind of coldness to it, and I think everybody thinks about Scandinavia and obviously perhaps other northern countries. Um, they kind of have this idea of personal space, and that's very true. Uh, you know, the, the further north, the more we like our personal space. You see people waiting far apart in bus stops. It's all these things. There's no hugging and kissing. Um, and the same goes for you know, if we're talking about mental health, and we're talking about me things. I mean, I remember when I when I left Norway and I came to the States, the idea of going to a therapist was crazy to me. I mean, that means you, you go to a therapist if you are um, a criminal or clinically insane. I, otherwise, you, you know, you don't go. You, go, you don't go there. Um, so it's been an eye opener to me. And I really, really hope that introducing uh, you know, more of that openness can be something that we can do up in the north and i'd love to be a driver for that but yeah and, and in business as well it's very interesting because they are absolutely lovely and i love working with them there's a lot of efficiency um but not so much on the closeness of things uh, it, it, there's a great divide there as opposed to i mean the way i do tend to to, to work is you know I, I try to build personal relationships with just about everybody uh, to some way shape or form i find it more interesting i learn a lot more about people uh, not to mention I, I work a lot better with a lot of people but um and yeah now that i'm further south here there's no such thing as personal space in greece uh, that is that even even you know during corona times you have to be careful there's still no such thing as personal space and you know i absolutely love it i think it's a beautiful beautiful thing and and i think it's important you know for people to get out i i, I know that you know post pandemic whenever we get to this place where people are traveling more often uh there's going to be this huge boom in like people just traveling everywhere and i hope that especially in this country uh that more people in the us truly get outside of the us but what's interesting you know that that you're talking about that coming from several years working at Santander and being part of sort of that Spanish culture uh, and the way they do business is very, very different. So I grew up because uh, in the Bay Area, yeah, but, you know, my background's Germany, Austria, Denmark. I Absolutely, totally relate yeah. to what you're talking about with Norway, <laughs> like just the way that people are. And it's like, man. Um, so so if if you were to say to, to people that were like, wow, you know, I really... I'm, I'm interested in like taking this journey of like understanding what's, you know, I'm going through or something that like the pandemic we've all gone through. What are your, let's say, four to, first couple steps that you would suggest if people feel like talking to someone or, you know, if they want to reach out to you or, you know, where should they start on their journey? So it's very, you know, it's as 
individual as anything else, these things. Um, and first and foremost, I have always said, and I always will say, I will always speak to anyone who, who needs it, no matter how busy or anything. Uh, so I'm more than happy to chat to anyone who would like to uh, about anything. Uh, you know, it's it's it doesn't have to be anything specific even. Um, and as far as the journey goes, for me, I, I would say the best thing you can do is be open. First of all, accepting and open to yourself about it. That took some time for me as well to actually accept that this is happening. I do have a problem, uh, not even a problem. It's it's something that I need to work on. Something that's happening to me. Uh, it's like a sickness, right? It's not it's not something that I've necessarily caused, but it's something that I'll have to deal with. Uh, so nothing's wrong with me per se. Uh, but so, so I don't want anybody to think that. But from there on, once you get to that acceptance stage, you can then talk to someone. And if you don't want to sort of take the step of, of going straight to a psychotherapist, there are plenty of things you can do in the meantime. There are a lot of good platforms, like I mentioned. I personally found that one, like I said, exercise, I think is brilliant. If you can do that, it doesn't have to be much. Get outside, walk, run, go to the gym, that kind of thing. Nothing intense, just to get your body working. And then Headspace or others, uh, they are brilliant. If it's a 15 minute a day meditation, it does so much. It does so much for you. Uh, there, are, there are platforms like BetterHelp uh, who have very cost effective and you know, cost efficient um, therapy where you can do things on, you can talk to people online, you can chat with them, you can do whatever fits your, your need. And it's well within a budget that, um, that, that you should allocate to it because it's coming to your, to your health. And lastly, I mean, this is, I think, actually, I, I, I retract my statement. There is something that needs to change. Uh, and that is that mental health needs to be seen as uh, equally important as physical health in every aspect. I, I can't agree more, especially, you know, post pandemic, whenever we get out of this, um, I, I think it has taken a toll on everybody. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. Um, and, and that's the one side that we need to take care of in addition to our physical health. And I am moving north. Thank you. For, for I, I, I am absolutely okay not to be around too many people. <laughs> I am totally moving north. I need my distance. Um, before we close, um, Fendexable, where, where yeah. you act as a non-executive director, recently published a report that was really interesting. I, I read it. There was some controversy around it um, as to why certain countries ranked the way they are. We're not going to get into that. Um, but this report called the Global fin Fintech Index. Can you share with the audience what it is about and what are some of the interesting things that, that we need to be aware of? Yeah, I mean, I'll try. Um, so Finexable is, is an incredible company that maps fintechs across the globe. And they do it in real time with incredible data. They have a whole index that's live. Uh, and the report uh, is obviously a product of that. And what I think is interesting is particularly, you know, being in the fintech space, uh, you know, I wasn't surprised about the main outcomes, which is first and foremost, fintech hubs are exploding. Um, and when you have, basically when you have above a certain amount of fintechs, then you call yourself a hub and they are just coming up everywhere in the world. Um, it's a space that is, it's the hottest space at the moment. Uh, it's, it's literally uh, growing everywhere in the world and it's incredible. And what's also interesting is that it didn't seem to slow down during COVID. 
Uh, it, it's been something that has kept going, kept pushing forward. Um, and you actually saw, I think it was something like a doubling of the value of all the fintech unicorns just in the last year. Uh, and obviously in the payment space, when I see companies like Stripe, uh, and the valuations they they achieve in a in a short period of time, it just shows that it's it's an absolute uh, it's almost a silly space to be in because the, the fact that this amount of of uh, capital and resource exists is uh, is exciting. But I do absolutely urge people to read the report. It's 103 fun-filled pages about fintech, uh, so definitely definitely download it if you if you're interested. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite an interesting read. Um, before we close, so for those who are listening, who would like to find out more about your company, um, Simply Pay Me, or about your journey, where can they find you? So for, for myself, uh, I obviously have my the LinkedIn uh, LinkedIn pro page that you can find me on. I almost forgot what, that, what, I, was, what I was called there. Uh, LinkedIn page under Kent uh, V. Borland. Um, or just Kent Borland, I should pop up. My Instagram is just Kent Borland in one word. Uh, that's where I kind of share a lot of these mental health bits and pieces. Can reach out to me there at any point in time. Um, otherwise, obviously, company-wise, simplypayme.com or download the app directly from the Google or Apple App Store. So, fairly flexible. Uh, obviously, if uh, if anybody gets in touch with you guys direct, please do write up, intro them intro them to me if they're looking for me. Otherwise, yeah, that that should do it. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kent. And thank you all for listening in to another episode of One Vision. We'll talk to you all next week.